Hello, bonjour, ni hao, and salut. Welcome back to the Impact Around the World podcast. I'm Cassandra Pittman, edX Country Manager for the UK and Ireland, and host of the show. In this episode, I am so pleased to be joined by Olivier Flock. Olivier graduated from edX in 2007 with a master's in management. He is now a marketing professional with over 10 years experience across food, skin, and hair care brands at Unilever, where he currently serves as a senior sustainability manager across the entire UK. He supports Unilever's marketing teams to define, embed, and activate a sustainable living purpose that is true to the brand roots and products and relevant to the people it serves. Enough from me. Please enjoy my interview with Olivier Flock. Olivier, lovely to have you here today. Lovely to see you again. I know it's been it's been too long for the benefit of our audience. Olivier and I met Gosh, how long ago did, did we meet, Olivia? Like seven years ago, six years ago? Yeah, so I think we met uh, now seven years ago, uh, years ago because um, you were instrumental to my career shift. So <laughs> I remember very well when we met. Oh, that's that's really kind. Yes, we met. Um, one of one of the many hats that I that I wear for EDEC is um, is providing some executive coaching for our alumni, and um, and I know we had some sessions. And uh, you know, you came with a desire to move into sustainability, and you quickly made that happen. So let me back up for the audience. Why did you decide to work in consumer products marketing? What was that? What was that decision like in the beginning? And then. Can you take us on the journey from when you decided to move from selling shampoo to working on, on sustainability? I think I started working in uh, consumer goods and marketing um, um, probably because I was attracted to this world. Uh, there wasn't like a very uh, sort of, I wasn't convinced I wanted to do that from the age of like 12 or anything. Uh, but um, I think I was quite interested by... Um, uh, and, and fascinated by the sheer size um, that these kind of businesses have. And it's something that's been quite consistent, um, even especially now that I work more in sustainable transformation. Um, and I think I was also very interested in the, what honestly, what marketing is, which is that marketing is about understanding what people want uh, and understanding how to influence people uh, into desiring a product. Um, and the, the good thing about consumer goods is versus, for example, more complicated uh, uh, industries, because uh, I work quickly in the automotive industries, um, uh, is that the marketing is a bit the, the, the lead role. Uh, so it's really about the marketing. And, and Unilever describes itself as a, a marketing company. So I was like, okay, I want to know uh, about marketing. I'm going to go to the uh, self-proclaimed best marketing company in the world. And that's why I joined Unilever. And I really enjoyed this uh, sort of um, uh, double talent that you grow, which is both understanding how people live, what people want, and also how to sort of uh, influence them. And then uh, this is when we actually met uh, because I was not happy. Uh, so I was not happy because I think I was just not finding probably enough purpose um, in what I was doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And, um, and I think it was deeply personal, um, but I 
I wanted to contribute something to something that was um, giving me more energy, but also giving back more. Um, and so this is how, um, I mean, we sort of like structure the coaching approach and, um, and during the coaching, we sort of like had lots of, uh, twists and turns. And at some point we clicked, uh, I mean, I clicked and said, okay, I really want to work in sustainable transformation. And this is how I started sort of operating this career shift in, uh, in sustainable business and sustainable transformation. And since you have, so that was about seven years ago, you, you did another course at, uh, at Cambridge in sustainability. How instrumental was that further education in your ability to make the career change, do you think? So that's a very good question, um, because when I, um, um, when I considered doing this um, extra, um, uh, uh, so it's a postgraduate certificate, um, when I considered doing this extra diploma, there I had I sort of consulted a lot of people. Some people say, "Well, you shouldn't bother. You are in a company that has already kind of a lot of expertise in sustainability." Um, and and some people say, "Well, it's also a good opportunity to accelerate your understanding of the field." And I decided to go more for um, that rational and and invest into uh, into doing this uh, this um, uh, extra. Uh, extra diploma. Uh, so I really saw it as an accelerator of my expertise in sustainability. So the fact is that the role that I have right now, and I think that most of the roles that I will have in the future will probably always have um, an anchor in business, in strategy, which corresponds to my sort of um, uh, original skill base, which I got at EDEC around, um, around management. But um, I, I think sustainability was something I wanted to add as a, like a, a big layer to my profile. And the fastest way and sort of most, most uh, serious way of doing it was to, to do an extra diploma. So I, I'm, I'm really glad I did that. Um, I think it gave me a lot more um, credibility uh, with the people I interacted later. It uh, gave me a lot faster understanding of issues. So yeah, no, I, I think that was the that was the reason. As a as an outsider, uh, it feels like Unilever has really consciously carved out a name for itself in this sustainability space, and um, and without being able to name all of the different you know sustainability initiatives they have, I have this feeling about Unilever that they are trying to put sustainability at the core. And I guess if I can expand the kind of the the, um, the definition of sustainability that we tend to think about it, not just sustainability, but just kind of a positive social impact. Would you say that, that those are values that are lived at every level of the organization or is it still kind of a learning process and a development process? I'm going to say something very commonplace. It's an always learning process, Cassandra. <laughs> uh, but it's somehow true. It's like, it's an endless journey. However, that said, um, I think, so the, the sort of big bang was 2010. The first big bang of sustainability was 2010. And, um, and it, it was still sort of somehow, unfortunately, early days for embedding sustainability within businesses. And it took a solid, I would say, five years. And that's, I mean, that's me talking. Uh, but I would say it took a solid five years to kind of start trickling down 
in the culture of the organization and, and throughout the sort of more various layers. Then you had sort of other external factors, such as the, um, I would say, the plastic Big Bang. So um, uh, the David Attenborough um, Blue Planet documentary really sort of like shook things up uh, around the plastic issue, which is one of the most material issues for a company like Unilever. And although there were already lots of initiatives in the organization, I think it really like pushed the organization to go further and every and to your question, like everybody in the organization to live and breathe it. I think the thing that I'm mostly proud is when you look at Unilever now um, and its new uh, sustainability strategy, which is called the Compass, and um, the way it's structured across the organization, it is a, a lot more, a lot closer to the business uh, than it was before. So before you had a sustainability strategy a bit on the side and a business strategy. Business strategy being the most important thing. A sustainability strategy a little bit kind of like, okay, I'm going to try to do this thing at the same time, but not exactly sure it's going to work. When you look at this business now, um, it has a blueprint of, it, is, it has a blueprint, I think, for a lot of other organizations to follow where sustainability and business are completely integrated. Uh, you have dedicated sustainability strategies for each of the large divisions of Unilever, which means that it's a lot closer to the actual issues that each division has because a food business will not have the same problem as a home care business. Um, and that's something I've been really, really, really influencing on because I, I've been um, working on pioneering different approaches of embedding sustainability strategies within the business. And we sort of trial many different things, but the things that work the most are the ones that are the closest to the business. And I've been working on trialing this for like many years now, and I'm really, really proud because this is now the blueprint across the organization for, for sustainability deployment. Hmm. What ways do you see, so there's, I think sustainability can sometimes be construed as the thing that we do because it is responsible to do. Mm. And there's definitely that aspect of it. But do you believe there are ways in which Unilever is infusing sustainability that actually make it more profitable? So it's an interesting question because it's, I think it's in probably every single communication manager Q&A around sustainability within Unilever, there is this question. Um, because the answer is that Unilever says proudly, like it is about business and, and being responsible at the same time. Because if we are responsible, profit will follow. So it is an end. It's never be an or. So if you say, I mean, the, the sort of criticism, which honestly I've heard so many times, um, um, sometimes it's from very cynical people. Oh, you only do that for the profit. I'm like, well, this is a capitalist world. And so far it's been the, the best system out of like many failed systems that seems to be working okay, not so well. But well, this is the game and the system we're locked in for now. Um, so if you, if you take that as a starting point, um, then it's, um, uh, yeah, profits are not a, a wrong thing. And the answer that, um, that Unilever has is, well, if we are doing the responsible thing, profits will follow. Um, and when you get a bit more granular, 
Um, and I think it's something that has been a lot more, uh, a lot more um, um, kind of evidence in the recent years uh, is that sustainable brands or brands that are perceived as being more sustainable by consumers are brands that are winning in the marketplace. Uh, so if you look at a brand like Dove, uh, which is one mm. of the, and I say sustainable, sustainable in the sort of um, wide um, uh, terminology, so both environmental and social, uh, but a brand like mm -hmm. Dove is one of the strongest equity, brand equity uh, of the group. And it's because it's a brand that has invested in being more than just a soap manufacturer, uh, uh, engaging society and conversations of self, such as self-esteem, uh, positive representation of beauty, uh, harmful stereotypes, um, and consistently for the last 15 years, or probably more, 20 years. Um, and, and you see this brand growing and growing and growing consistently in the market. So when you do the right thing, profit, and you do it well, because sometimes you can also do it wrong, uh, but you the profits will follow. And something that is in my remit is actually to ensure that sometimes we don't have greenwashing initiative. But it's not so much of a risk, I would say now, in Unilever. People have understood like that it was not about greenwashing. Uh, but I would say if you are unsure about a uh, something you're doing within your organization, and you say you think, mm, is it a bit greenwashing? I that's my piece of advice is like don't let that <laughs> don't let that go. Go to the bottom of it and see and never greenwash because you will ruin it and you will ruin trust. So I'm interested in um in something you said at the beginning, which was, you know, a few years after your career, you work for the best or the leading marketing uh, consumer products company in the world, and you find yourself unhappy. Just interested to, for our listeners to try to learn from your experience. What was your process like identifying what could make you happier? And then how did you go about making that transition happen in a, in a time frame that was suitable to you? So not thinking for 10 years how you'd love to do this and then never making it happen or what have you, but, but making it happen in a suitable time frame so that, that you could be on a, on a happier track. Can you just tell us a little bit about that process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the first is reaching out for help. And I think you were <laughs> the helper uh, being the coach. And, and I think it's very, I mean, we're laughing, but it's really important because like... Um, you can't do that completely on your own. You, I mean, mm. I'm, I, I, I am, and especially for, uh, I think for most people, you need to kind of bounce things at someone and get like uh, someone to challenge you, to um, to reflect and help you reflect. Um, and and I think as a coach, you do a lot of open questions, and this is what you did, and that was like. Um, it's something I couldn't have done myself. So I would say reaching out for help was, um, and, and, and kind of like being in this state of mind, okay, I'm not happy. I'm going to do about, I'm going to do something about it. And, oh, okay. Maybe going through a coaching process could help. Um, then I think what for me was really the sort of haha moment or unlocks was, um, reflecting on what were the moments where I got the most energy from my job. Uh, and, and, um, deeply thinking about, okay, when was I the most happy to go? When was I like not, you know, dwelling on an 
email for like a week because I was like, oh, I'm not, I don't want to do that. Oh, but this I want to do. <laughs> this is so cool. <laughs> oh, we can all relate to that. I think every person that's ever had a job can relate to the, I'm just going to pretend I didn't get this email for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and there were, and, in the, and this is the thing is there was, there, there was like um, a lot of these emails and a few of these emails were, which were really making me happy. And I would say now it's a bit mm. the opposite. Of course, I still have the annoying emails. I'm not jumping like a, a happy bunny every time I have a request, but I'm a lot happier to do so. I mean, most of the things that I do. Uh, so reflecting on these moments. And um, I think this is, that's the second thing. The third thing was kind of talking to relatives, uh, talking to my family, to some of my friends, um, to... To kind of also help a little bit understand myself more um, and see where I could be uh, interested. And then when I identified, so that was for identifying uh, the space I wanted to grow in. And once that was um, sort of identified, um, well, it was a bit like taking a bit of a risk. Uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. I was like convinced I wanted to do that, but it was taking a bit of a risk. Um, uh, So, for example, investing in this um, postgraduate certificate at um, the uh, CICL at Cambridge um, without really knowing if it would pay off. Um, Then I had the, uh, I was really lucky in the sense that I found an opportunity, which is a bit of outlying, outlier opportunity to work in R&D on developing um, a sustainability strategy for sustainable packaging, which was a short-term, like a short-term opportunity, and I decided to take it. I was like, well, I mean, it's like it might lead nowhere, or it might end, and I don't have a job. But I took a little bit of a risk, and it's, it's. I mean, I have to say, it's not easy because I'm quite risk averse. But I, I think I had reached that point where I was like, I need to make a move and make a change, um, and that was kind of um, that was really important. And then the last thing I want to say is, um, and I think it's something that really stuck with me, is um, I I had reached that point where I was a bit like, oh, I want to ditch everything that I've done in the past. I'm not happy. And you say to me, well, sometimes it's not about that. You need to identify what are your strengths, what are the things you like in what you've built already. Take these, leave the rest. (laughs) And what is next for you, do you think? (laughs) Um, that's a good question because um, I I think it's I mean so it's been uh, now six years I mean six seven years um, and it's a little bit like what's what's the next uh, as you say what's the next step um, and something I could could be either through uh, maybe gaining more leadership and more influence. Um, uh, it could be, uh, it could be, um, um, for example, going out of Unilever and doing um, and and doing something still in the same space, but helping other companies. I I think the bottom line is I'm driven by impact. I want to have an impact because this is what kind of like gives me energy. Um, and the 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 idea is like right now what's next for me is really reflect on what's my what's my next step <laughs> uh and and identify where am i going to get uh the impact that i want and at the same time get the same level of energy and happiness i get from my job do you have any advice i mean as you're somebody who is working on 
infusing sustainability, making sustainability work for the business and for different parts of the business. Do you have any advice for people who might not want to have a sustainability career, but who care deeply about this issue, but how they can go about infusing a little bit more sustainability into into the way that they work, into their businesses mm. or into their lives? It's a good question. Um, there is a personal dimension to it. Um, which is that, and it's something I remember when I did this program, the, the postgraduate certificate program uh, that was talked a lot, is that infusing sustainability in your work can, I mean, you can't really do that if you're also not really infusing a little bit into your life. Um, mm. And I would invite everybody to kind of do these two things at the same time. And, and I mean, uh, you can't be perfect, uh, but it's at least doing stuff that will make you feel like you are more in line with your values. So, for example, I became um, mostly, most of my diet is vegetarian or vegan. Um, I have a bit of flex, but it's, uh, it's something that for me was very in line with, uh, with uh, what I wanted to do. Uh, because most of these stability problems, they're systemic problems. It's, we're not we're not bad people who want to like destroy the planet. We're just trapped into systems. And the mm-hmm. more people understand that and, and are keen to kind of to, um, uh, to drive this system to change and pull the right levers, the better it will be. So I think is without completely changing your role, it's understanding what is your, the impact of your role and the impact you can have and then grow from there. Mm. When you and I first met, um, let me think. So if it was seven years ago, I don't think the Brexit vote had happened when we first met. How has that, if at all, the fact that we now uh, have left the European Union affected you, either your business or you personally? Um, From a business perspective, I would say that uh, I don't know enough (laughs) <laughs> about how it's been affecting Unilever, but it's a multinational. So most of the business is outside the UK. Um, it hasn't really changed anything. Um, I, of course, there's, I mean, I can't deny it's been very complicated for for a lot of people within Unilever who had to adapt to this. And there's been a lot of work done in, for example, the supply chain to prepare for the Brexit. Um, the, the, I know that there was also a choice to kind of simplify the structure, which was a double structure, both in the Netherlands and the UK. And it was decided that first they would move to the Netherlands, which was rejected by the, st- the shareholders, then they moved to the UK. <laughs> so now I work for a fully, like, legally British company. Um, and also, but I think the sort of main impact is that whilst before it was easier um, uh, at least for people to consider, for example, people like me in France or in Germany or in Italy in the Unilever business, well, like, oh, I could go to London to kind of like go to the head office and participate to the global team effort. It's a bit more difficult to think this way when Brexit has um, when when Brexit has happened. I, I know it's made easier because of because uh, um, multinationals can sort of like have. Um, international talent coming, but it still makes it difficult. So, of course, lots of impact. Um, But I would say uh, from a business 
standpoint, because it's such a large multinational operating across so many countries, it hasn't affected too much. From a personal standpoint, it's made me sad. It's made me really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I... When I I'm now a British citizen, and when I got my passport last year, uh, it was black because of the new color. It was not the European Union color, and I have to say, the only thing I I'm hoping is that within my lifetime it will become um, this burgundy color again, and that the UK will rejoin. And I'm 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 optimistic. I mean. <laughs> First, that I will live long enough to see that, but that it will happen as well. So, um, I, I it it made it made me sad and felt a bit like I didn't really have a say. And I mean, yeah, I mean, that was not my that was not for me to say anything. Um, and yeah, quite disempowered. But um, I think it made me also feel like there is really a responsibility for. Uh, for people who are in power. Yeah. I think I also, I didn't really appreciate how much the value of internationalism had to be defended. Mm. Right. I thought, I kind of felt that those battles had been fought and won mm. and probably like a lot of people uh, got a bit complacent about that. Um, so I'm trying to do my part as well. <laughs> Olivia, if people want to learn more about Unilever and what they're doing with sustainability or just about the field of sustainability overall, where do you think they should go? Um, so first, the Unilever website uh, sounds a bit lame. I'll go to a corporate website. But apparently, according to the comms manager, uh, it's one of the most visited corporate website ever. And it's, it's true. It's pretty cool. You have a lot of good content on there, lots of articles. And I think it expresses Unilever's vision on sustainability in a very kind of like approachable, fun, understandable way. Um, so I would definitely go there. Um, there is also a um, take action hub. Uh, if people want to understand what, for example, some of the brands are doing and what, how they can get involved, uh, there is um, for, let's say, um, organizations who or like let's say startups who have new technologies that want to contribute to sustainable transformation of some of the technology structure we, we rely on, there is an open innovation portal. So there are lots of kind of points of entries. Um, Obviously, there is the, the the social media channels of, of the organization um, that uh, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, um, and, and Instagram. But I would say for people who want to have like quite more of a deep understanding and knowledge, the uh, Univer website is um, is a good uh, is a good uh, entry point. Um, and then if you have a Unilever colleague, talk to them. <laughs> Sorry, a Unilever friend, <laughs> talk to them. Yeah, because we're Unilever people. It's like, it's very creepy. <laughs> uh, as uh, um, as my, my therapist says, one of my most reliable and uh, and long-term relationships <laughs> I've had in my life was Unilever. So I, I, I wear that as a proud, weird mark of honor. Anyway. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day and enjoy some of this rare sunshine. Impact Around the World is an initiative of the pioneering EDEC delegations team and EDEC alumni. A huge thank you to my fellow country managers, Patricia in California, Cece in China, Nilesh in India, and Joyce in Singapore for making these interviews happen. We're committed to building a community beyond the classroom for you, our 46,000 alumni in over 125 different countries. 
Follow us on Twitter at, at edecalumni or visit the alumni website at alumni.edec.edu to find out more about how you can connect with the edec community close to you and around the world. Thanks for listening.